Now through June 29th, you can earn up to four times rewards points on your favorite products throughout the store at Safeway. Shop for items like Coca-Cola products, Deer Park Natural Spring Water, Dannon Light and Fit Yogurt, Mott's Original Applesauce, Heinz Ketchup, and McCormick Spices. And earn up to four times bonus reward points to use for discounts on gas or groceries. Visit Safeway.com or download the Safeway For You app to earn your reward points today. Offer valid through June 29th. See store for more details. Leftovers. Or the DMV. Or house cleaning. Or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. Chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, everybody, we are finally here, the launch of Beyond Baseball. So we just get to welcome you all to our new podcast powered by Prospects Live. Um, I am your ho- one of your hosts, Jared Perkins. I am here with uh, Dr. Caleb Mezzi, who's going to be joining me on all these episodes. Uh, Caleb, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm excited to launch this. And we're going to go Beyond Baseball, so it's going to be really fun talking to uh, active and former uh, professional baseball players and getting to know them better uh, along their journey, um, not only through the sport that we both love, but also life and um, really their experience from the field to whatever is translated off the field. Yeah, and just kind of give you some background on how the project started. Uh, both of us have a passion for the human side of the game. Um, I started writing articles uh, when I first started writing about prospects and things like that. I was diving into numbers, diving into performances. And I know a lot of you who are following along with Prospects Live, that's what you come to Prospects Live for. You want your analysis on the prospects. You want to get a readout on what the potential might be for certain players. Um, but the one thing I kind of noticed that was missing was this human side of the game, just trying to, to peek back into the players that are who they are behind the numbers and their performances on the field. And so I started writing articles about players trying to find their identity outside of the game, um, trying to deal with some of the ups and downs that come with playing professional baseball um, and also trying to figure out how to transition out of the game. Because as Caleb has mentioned before um, in a lot of his work, that 90% of the players are going to get released at some point in their career. So how do they find these passions outside of the game? How do they find, um, the things that they love to do outside of baseball. And we thought these stories would be amazing to share with everybody, whether it's fans, current players who might be trying to figure out some of the same things. And so that's kind of where my passion came from. Yeah, I'll just you know piggyback off that. And you and I have discussed this before. Um, one of the things I love about this sport is that it's a game of failure. And yeah. while everybody will say that they're, you know, fearing failure or, you know, they live with a fear of failure, I think the thing is we know that this is inevitable and it's going to happen. Um, but there's two parts of that to baseball, right? You know, you could be a Hall of Fame player and hit three out of 10, and that that's not really successful numbers, three out of 10. You're failing seven times out of 10. Uh, but the other thing is, is that even if you do get to the Major League Baseball, even if you're there and you're there for five or six years, many might consider that a failure. You didn't hit that 10 number. You're not going to, you know, get your service time and your pension that you wish you 
you know, would have gotten probably would have set you and your family and families, you know, in the future up. Um, there's there's this ev- inevitable failure that's going to happen, whether you're a hitter, you're a pitcher, whatever. And I think a lot of that has to just be framed a little differently so that we're not looking at it from failure, but we're looking at it from what we bring to the table, what we learn from going through this process, whether it's single A to double A to triple A to the show, or it's going from the show to, you know, running your own business and taking that and being able to interpret and articulate that as a player, right? And me and you can help, you know, kind of walking through that process with them. Um, but that's kind of what led me to doing my research as a doctoral student. Um, I did just finish my dissertation. You and I have discussed this at length. You've yeah. even uh, written some articles about it. But I've created a model that is research supported and had a you know a panel of experts all in different areas from sports psychology, mental health, the player services, anybody who kind of touches upon a player, and then actually players who have retired in the last five years. And what we've developed with that model is a four-step process, which I know we'll talk more about over the course of this podcast to help walk these players through this inevitable process that's going to happen, right? We know that, you know, when you retire, when your career ends, it's not just a moment in time. It is this ongoing process. Some started in single A, some started in triple A, some started, you know, five years after they retire. But that's kind of what we're here to do. And I think understanding um, players, you know, where they come from, the transferable skills they have, the strengths, weaknesses, and really um, challenges that, that they're going to face It's one of the things that we were able to talk about with our guests today. Yeah, Caleb, I think that's the one thing that I was always so interested in your work is because every time I started doing a human side article or started diving into them, the one common theme that just kept coming up over and over again was like, they just, it hit them like out of nowhere. A lot of times they'd show up to the field, their locker was gone, their bags were packed, and they were told that they were being released and they were walking out of the clubhouse and seeing all their friends walk into the clubhouse. Everything that they knew in that moment was just gone everything that they knew and they loved and their passion for the game that it was just taken away from them. And so there's this lost identity that every player seemed to go through um, that they were just constantly in this battle of like, okay, well, baseball is all I know. And so who am I kind of thing? And I think that's what we really want to touch on is figure out who are these guys outside of the game? Yeah, we definitely want to talk about identity. and I know we're going to, and it's really from looking at the situation that you're in, right? Just like you would if you step into a batter's box, you step on the mound. What situation am I in? Who's on base? What's the count? What's this player's strengths? What's my strengths? How do we compete against them? And then going from, all right, now I'm a hitter. All right, now I'm a pitcher to, well, your identity is more than just that, right? And we've, we've heard this before. We, we hear it all the time of like, you're more than a player. You're more than a hitter. You're more than that. Or I only know baseball. That's not true, right? Yeah. How do we have those conversations to be able to say, you know way more than that. You are way more than that. And then how do we take that into other areas, other interests that you have, other skills that you have? How do we transfer them? And we're going to talk with every single guest about that in some different slice and form because they all have different journeys. They all have different stories of how they came to that. Um, But I think for right now, uh, what we're talking about is super interesting just to understand where a player is coming from and how they have taken that into the next phase of their life. Yeah, and I think we we were going to have a great lineup of guests that we're going to bring to you and hopefully uh, share some amazing stories. And the first one we had in this episode was Tyson Ross. I know a lot of you might know him. He's a former all-star uh, pitcher in the big leagues for about 10 years at this point. And he, he just got an incredible story and it took him a while to find out who he was outside of the game. And he'll dive into a lot of um, his passion for museums and how that was something that he really found um, drove him to be, 
to to find something bigger than himself and like to see all these people and all these amazing things that they're doing and kind of find passion in that. Um, so, I mean, that, it's going to be a good interview and I think everybody's going to really enjoy it. Caleb, what were some of your main takeaways from that interview? Yeah. One of my favorite things was his perspective. His perspective was someone who just went through this process, but is also not done, right? Yeah. He's continuing to grow. He talked about, you know, being a father, having two kids, just understanding that, as he calls, time is his weakness. I actually think that it's a strength because he knows how to maximize it so well, right? But he sees it as a weakness because he's trying to get the most out of it, almost like, you know, the squeezing the orange or kind of thing. Like, how do we get the most juice out of this um, here? But the other thing was just his ability to articulate the parallels he drew from his love for art, his appreciation for art to pitching, right? Yeah. And under, understanding what that meant for him as a person, right? Not the player, but him as a person was just so interesting and really mature way to look at things because what it do, does is it sets him up for success. Now, if he, if he pursues art or if he pursues something with like a community outreach, which is one of the things we talked about, any way that he goes about this is the right way because he's able to articulate it from his own perspective. I think the other thing, um, he is very entrepreneurial. He's very, uh, he's very much about giving back. Um, that was super interesting to hear. Yeah. And I think the one thing I loved to hear was there was two things that really stuck out to me. One, how he used failure to kind of develop him and help him grow, not as a setback or to, to, keep him from going after his goals or his journey that he's on. He used it to learn and figure out, okay, if I failed here, how do I make sure that whether it was baseball, whether it was something in life, he just took failure as a way to grow. And I think the second thing was um, building community, his focus on building community um, across the board. It was just whether it's like with his loyal to my soil program, where he's trying to bring kids in and build a community for the kids, um, or whether it was like, not seeing himself as a pro athlete as the positive of playing baseball, but the people he got to meet and the, the experiences that he got to have and those senses of community that he had. I think that was the things, those were the two things that really stuck out to me as um, that are huge and important in, in his transition. Um, but we don't want to keep you too long. We want you to dive right into this interview. So I hope you all enjoy. get to welcome Tyson Ross, a uh, pitcher in the big leagues, has pitched for the Padres, the Athletics, the Tigers, the Giants, and a couple other teams. Um, so we're very lucky to have you here today, Tyson. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on this morning. Yeah, of course. And so, um, as you know, with Beyond Baseball, we just kind of want to get into players' journeys through the game, how they kind of got where they were, where they found some of those passions outside of the game. And so kind of, can you kind of walk us through uh, how you – um, made it through your career and kind of found some of those passions outside of the game? Uh, yeah, I was fortunate to play close to a decade in, in the major leagues and, uh, you know, had a lot of ups and downs along the way. Um, I learned a lot from those failures, you know, as, as a young amateur player, there was a lot of success, you know, travel ball, high school, college, it was all success. And I didn't really fail until really I made it to the, you know, professional ranks, had to start dealing with a few injuries in the minor leagues and then made it to the big leagues pretty quickly. And, and had to learn how to deal with failure up there and make an adjustment. And that's, uh, you know, looking back over my career, that's been the, the biggest thing that, that kind of allowed me to play as long as I did was just making adjustments, you know, dealing with failures, using it as a compass to say, hey, it's not working this way, change direction and find a way to, to alter the route. And, uh, you know, as I'm looking at life after baseball, I think that's going to be the, the most valuable thing 
I learned from the game. You know, everyone talks about, you know, athletes are, are great employees or whatever because of teamwork and, uh, you know, determination. But I think just those life lessons that I learned from, you know, seeing success, seeing failure and being able to pick myself up and make an adjustment and, and find a way to make it work. Uh, you know, I think that's going to be something that's that's more valuable than business school or anything like that, you know, when I'm living my regular life here. Yeah. So Tyson, talk to us about the transition because uh, you talk about adjustments from high school to college to the pros and how that kind of ebbs and flows with what you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, uh, in, in high school, you're kind of the big dog on campus come junior, senior year. And, uh, you know, it was, it was good. I went to Cal Berkeley. I played there for three years and I was an incoming freshman at, you know, I had plenty of height. I was six, five, but I was like 185 pounds. So you know, never touched a weight in my life. Uh, you know, coming in as a freshman, all of a sudden I was, I was a minnow in, in a big sea of, of, of big dogs. You know what I mean? So it was, uh, you know, it's an eye opening experience. As soon as you get that, that age gap where now all of a sudden you're 18 trying to compete with 21 year olds in the fall, um, you know, amongst your own program, I kind of got beat up a little bit in those fall ball games, which was a good learning experience for me. But, you know, those, those stat, stats don't count. So it was just learning experience. And then come season time, uh, you're playing the best of the best from all the other schools. And, you know, back then, uh, the, the Pac-10, the league I was playing, it was pretty good. So it was cool to see, you know, get to college, see the bar set really high. Um, as a pitcher, I was looking around to see what other guys were doing. And it just so happened to be a year where the Pac-10 was, was dominant in starting pitching. So I think of the, of the nine schools that had baseball teams, there were 10 first round pitchers. So it was like Tim Lincecum was at Washington. Brandon Morrow was at, um, was pitching for us at Cal. Ian Kennedy was at USC and on and on and on. So every Friday night I got to watch, you know, an A plus arm go out there and master his craft on the mound. And, and I realized, okay, I got a lot of learning to do. I got to grow. I got to get better. And, uh, you know, I had a pretty good freshman year, but, you know, just, just those adjustments of, of high school to college, college to pro ball, um, you know, as soon as the talent pool gets bigger, you, you realize you got a lot, a lot of ways to continue to grow and develop. Yeah. I, the one thing that you touch on that I really love is the, the, the ability that you had to make adjustments in order to, um, get through some of those moments of failure and things like that. And I think that's something that a lot of athletes go through on a daily basis, especially once you get to the pro level. Um, what are some of those things that you did or tools that you implemented to help you get through some of those ups and downs of injuries, some of the ups and downs that came with professional baseball, were there some tools that you were like their go-tos for those kind of things? Uh, yeah, I mean, my simple formula for it that I've come up with over the years is just, you know, master your strengths and improve on your weaknesses. You know, I, I was there for a reason. I had I had something special that, that allowed me to get to Division One, get get into professional baseball. And so I just had to master that craft. But I also couldn't forget about my weaknesses. Um, you know, when I was when I got to the big leagues and I kind of fell flat on my face early as a rookie first couple of years, I struggled. I was like, OK, what am I not doing well here? And it's like I need to fill up the strike zone. I need to have, you know, just competitive pitches out of hand. So all of a sudden that became my focus more so than, than speed or, or, or movement on my pitches. It was how do I harness this? And so a lot of times guys, you know, you go with what's comfortable. If you have a really good breaking ball, you just want to practice on that good breaking ball. But sometimes you got to do the thing that's really uncomfortable to raise the floor on you as a player so that, uh, you know, you're, you're an overall better talent. How have you taken that formula and applied it to really you as a person holistically, you know, you not only the baseball player, but you Tyson Ross, because 
when we look at interests outside of playing, we see that you have plenty of them and you're doing a lot of things, you know, from degree completion to NFTs, to anything with art, all these things. How do you take that formula and apply it there? Uh, it's the same way. I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, with my education, you just got to lean into the things that you aren't good at. You know, I'm a pretty decent writer, so I, I know that I would be good with that. Um, you know, writing papers as I continued my degree at Cal and, uh, and it's just, you know, little things like, okay, how am I going to focus today? I don't have much time. I've got two kids at home now. So it's, you know, time is kind of that, that weakness for me right now. So it's like, okay, if I get up early, how can I multitask, get this job done? You know, I've got a 35, 40 minute commute to school instead of listening to music. Like I figured out an app where I can upload some of my, some of my readings and just, you know, listen to a book on tape essentially on the way in. And uh, yeah, it's just, just little things like that. He just, it's a good formula because whatever your situation is, you can just apply it to what you've got going on and, and uh, you know, help your own, your own cause. You know, I think a lot of times we just kind of waste a lot of time and, you know, it's just that lazy couch syndrome. It's like, I'm going to do the easiest thing, the path of least resistance. And, you know, it's, it's really easy to just sit down and turn on Netflix for three hours and not have to worry about the things you don't want to do that aren't going to better you. But um, you know, it's just, it's just something I've learned with my career that helped me out a lot. And in life, it's also helping. So I have a question just following up on that. I think the interesting mm -hmm. thing is you've established a formula, which is the simplification, right? Something comes in your head, you can kind of process it and streamline it as quick as possible because you have that formula. The hard part is sometimes getting to that formula, getting the information, the interest to put into that, you know, what do we call it? An assembly line, conveyor belt, whatever. How did you figure out that you were interested in something like, you know, I want to get better at writing? Because being interested in writing is different than getting better at it. Or how did you figure out that you were interested in art or NFTs? How, what was that process? Uh, yeah, I mean, as far as art and things, it was, you know, life Life in baseball is a lot of, you know, it's it's a lot of training. It's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of hours at the stadium, but it's also a lot of time on the road. And, you know, I was looking for something that I could do. I'd spent plenty of time in the hotel room sleeping all day or ordering room service. And, you know, just popping out to get food wasn't really you know, filling my bucket of, of joy, you know what I mean? So I needed to find something that I could do on the road that would uh, get me outside of the loop of baseball um, and and just was interesting to me. And I've, I've been to museums all over the world and, and enjoyed things like that in the past in the off season. But, you know, I finally was like, let me just get on Yelp and find a, you know, modern art museum, contemporary museum, whatever city I'm in. It usually was one fairly close by because we were playing in big cities. And they had AC. So, it was, you know, summertime in Philly, it's hot. You know, if you're on the East Coast, it's going to be scorching out. And I don't want to sweat through my clothes at <laughs> 10, 11 in the morning. So, you know, it was like, do I want to go see a matinee movie or can I go to a museum here? And, uh, yeah, so that's kind of how I fell in love with art. And then uh, a shared love with uh, a teammate, Matt Caesar, who's actually a, a painter and, and has gotten me into NFTs. That's how I kind of went down that path. But, um, yeah, just appreciating art, appreciating something that I'm not good at. You know, that's that's something that, you know, you give me a pen and a paper and it's going to just be scribbles and doodles and look like <laughs> trash. So uh, that's another thing that I enjoy doing is just seeing people master things that I, I'm not good at. And it's just kind of like like my way of appreciating my weakness compared to some of these masters, whether it's, you know, stand up comedy. Um, I like going to concerts. You know, I'm not I don't enjoy speaking in front of large amounts of people. So seeing someone thrive in front of 20, 30, 40,000 people on stage with a microphone in their hand is something that I really enjoy. And, and same with just appreciating a good piece of art, you know, knowing it's something that 
I don't have the capacity to create right now. I mean, maybe one day with, you know, hundreds of hours of mastery, maybe, but um, just to see what people do and create um, has been interesting for me. And that's kind of how, you know, leads me down these paths of my interests. Yeah. And I, I love that because it's just finding the appreciation for people and the humans that they are and the, the abilities that they have. I mean, I'm the same way with music. I, I love concerts. I can kind of play the guitar, but just watching mm-hmm. them on stage and the way that they can actually just do multiple things, it's just insane to watch. Um, when you talk about museums, I got to ask, what is your favorite museum or favorite piece of art that you've seen in a museum? Okay. Uh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, that's a really good question. Sorry, you got me stumped. <laughs> and only because there's there's so many things. Like like I've been to I've been to Paris and been to the Louvre, and like that's the oh, most cool. impressive. I'm not going to say the Mona Lisa is like my favorite piece of art ever because you know just it's the most popular. But um, there was a there was a little museum in, in Chicago, a couple like literally a block and a half from the hotel we stayed in. I can't even remember the name of it, but they've had some pretty cool contemporary installations, and and they had. Um, uh i forget what his name is takashi miramoto maybe okay. uh he's a japanese artist who um he did like kanye west's uh graduation bear and some of those album covers is from his early days so they had some figurines from him and then they actually had some statues that were like i don't know maybe 20 25 feet high within this building and you know and for me it was just cool because like had I gone left to go to Starbucks, I would walk the same amount of distance and, and got a shitty cup of coffee and not avoid <laughs> anything, you know, and, and I went right instead. And and there's this museum that I just kind of happened to stumble upon. And there was this, this uh, you know, Japanese artist who had was involved in, you know, one of my favorite rap albums ever. And, you know, just spending a morning in awe looking at, at these creations was, uh, you know, that's something that I really enjoyed. And you know, I think that would just be, that's pretty high up there for me just because, you know, it has a, you know, appreciating art or appreciating music or whatever it can be. It's just, it's just a, a, an experience bigger than yourself. And it's something that's, um, it's just nice to, to sprinkle in when you can, because we have so many days where it's just automated of, you know, coffee, car, work, home, back and forth. You know, you're in this loop, you're not doing anything outside of normal, except maybe you get to go to a ball game or something, but there's so much more, so many more things that you can enjoy. And, you know, I mean, nature's another thing like that for me is like, if I can get out in nature and go for a hike yeah. or something, it's just like, it's cool to just slow down and appreciate something. So you talk about pitching and you talk about knowing your strengths, knowing your weaknesses. A lot of that to me sounds like something an artist would do, right? Like this is your style. This is where you work within, whether it's a canvas or anything that you're you know working within. Do you, so I have to ask you two questions. One is, is pitching an art or a science? And then my second question would be, how do you see the, I guess, parallels between being a pitcher, having the ball in your hand, similar to having a paintbrush or a pen or, you know, even a crayon and art? Yeah, p- pitching is definitely an art, in my opinion, especially as a, as a starting pitcher. You know, you've got you've got 100 pitches, 100 brush strokes, whatever, to, to make something out of that game. And I think, uh, you know, when I when I compare it to art, I would say, you know, there's no there's no small, there's no big mistakes. There's just strokes. There's just pitches, you know, like you can you can give up a homer first pitch of the game, but you can still paint a pretty picture, 
you know, over the course of seven innings, if you if you get back into it, I'm sure there's plenty of masterpieces out there where the artist messed up or did something and just continued to paint. And the end result is, is uh, you know, something beautiful. So that's, uh, you know, that's kind of my my opinion on pitching in as an art form. And, you know, that's that's one of the things I really enjoyed about being a starting pitcher was, it, you know, it wasn't how you started, it was how you finished. And, and that was something that I always, you know, sometimes you get knocked around or you don't have your stuff early and you just got to keep going, keep finding a way. And then sometimes you settle in and find that, that zone. The cool thing there is I've always noticed with people who like art, whether it's, you know, baseball and basketball is the control factor of having the ball in your hand, right? Mm -hmm. If you're a basketball player and you're trying to create your own shot or improvise based off of what the defense is putting out there. But then there's a part where you're not in control, right? When you let, let go of the ball, the ball. And I think for you, you've seen that, you know, through your ups and downs, through your journey, through injuries, and then now what you're doing um, in life after baseball. So I don't know if there's any question that I really have there, but in terms of the artistic piece, the NFT world that, that we see right now and how that's ever evolving and changing. I mean, is there anything that you see in terms of the difference between pitching, letting go of the ball and then the control that you may or may not have? Uh, yeah. I mean, with, with pitching, one of the things you learn early on that, that allows you to be successful is you just got to control what you can control. And once the ball leaves your hand, there's nothing you can do. You can throw a perfect pitch right on the outside corner. You know, batter takes it. Umpire calls it a ball you just got to control your reactions, you know, like you can't, you can't spaz out and get mad or, or get frustrated because that's just going to impact your next pitch. And so, um, you know, same thing with like, you get a, a two hopper shortstop and the guy boots it, like that's completely out of your control. So when you put the focus on just controlling the things you can control, you know, that's, that's just staying in the moment, staying in the process of, of what you got going on. And I mean, I think the same thing with, with NFTs and art, um, you know, it's, I don't know if you guys pay attention, but crypto's down, NFTs are down, all that stuff's crazy. But like the only thing you can really control is, you know, your engagement, what you're into, uh, how you spend your time and money. And and I think, you know, it's probably a good thing that that this break has come. I, I think early on, it was like a year ago, it was a crazy roller coaster and people were talking about Lambos and things. And it's like, like if this is going to be a successful, you know, evolution of art and people, I think you need to slow down a little bit. And see what really matters, what makes sense, and and build, you know, upon these communities that have been existing. And you know, personally for me, that's that's what I really enjoy outside of the art factor with with NFTs is that you know going from from playing where I was in a clubhouse, I was in a community all the time, uh, to to being home with my family. Like you don't have that team, you don't have that clubhouse, you don't have the community that you used to. And I found, <clears throat> excuse me, within the NFT uh projects several communities that I've, I've become a member of and you know you've got your little social circles online but still you're within a group dynamic and and you're all working towards a, a familiar goal or speaking the same language you know what i mean so it's it's pretty cool on that side of things just because it's it's a lot broader instead of working together with people and you're within a community now it's people from all walks of life that have a shared interest and you're bonding over that and, and growing together that I, I, that's an amazing point to make too. And I, one of the last things I want to touch on too, when you talk about building community, um, is the loyal, uh, pure soil program that you started. Um, I want to just dive into that program. What's some of the things that you are trying to push with these kids? I, the one thing I love that you touched on is, um, that you wanted to, the baseball was a big part of you growing up, but it was because of the experiences and the people you met, not the opportunity to be a pro athlete. And I just want to touch on some of the things that you're doing with the Loyal to My Soil program. 
Uh, yeah, so basically it's, it's a community-based program here in the Bay Area, uh, you know, kind of focused in Oakland, but we go anywhere that, that there's a need. And it's about, you know, giving kids the opportunity to play the game of baseball and removing that, that barrier of cost. You know, today everything's crazy. Nine, 10-year-olds are playing travel ball. Cost several thousand dollars just to play, and because of the competitiveness of travel ball, the local leagues have dried up, and so now it's kind of like this this uh, this drought for baseball. Basically, you know, if you if you don't have the talent early to get on a travel ball team, there's no local little league with enough players, you know, for you to go play on. And if you if you don't start playing early enough to be talented enough to play travel ball, there's there's nothing there for you. So, you know, we're doing camps from. I think the youngest we did was was probably five year olds to twelve year olds, and then thirteen to eighteen for the older kids. But we're doing free camps in the community, donating gear to schools, to programs, to players, uh, helping with travel costs. You know, whatever we can do to help these kids get into the game and and find that passion for it and get some A plus instruction. So, you know, I'm out there coaching kids. We've got a bunch of guys that are volunteer coaches that are either former uh, you know Division one players and or professional players. Uh, you know, not only giving quality instruction, but also, you know, inspiring these kids because we all come from the same communities, look like them and just showing you, hey, there is a path forward. Um, you know, personally, as a kid, I looked up to CC Sabathia, Dr. Willis and Jimmy Rollins. And, you know, I think the closest I came to any of them other than watching them on TV was I saw Jimmy hitting in the cages, uh, you know, the local batting cage in an offseason one time. I just heard it. I, you know, I was like, what is that noise coming from that last tunnel? It's louder than anything I've ever heard and wandered down there with my dad. And we saw his, you know, Jimmy Rollins hitting with his dad and brother. Um, but so, I, you know, I want to engage with these kids and let them see that we're real people, get on the field, share our knowledge and, you know, just kind of inspire them to keep going and give them an opportunity to, to enter baseball at a younger age with some passion and, and really learn and, and kind of give them a roadmap on how to move forward and, and you know grow as people and, and players yeah and that that's absolutely amazing i think it's just like when we talk about even transitions in life you don't really find out what you love until you try something and the fact that you're giving an opportunity to these kids to go out on a field figure out if baseball is something that they're actually going to love and enjoy and have that opportunity because if they don't experience it they're never going to know if they actually love it um mm -hmm. before we kind of wrap up i'll just kick it off to caleb if you have any one last question and then we can kind of wrap things up I was going to steal one of your favorite questions, but um, we know we know your brother, you know, he's playing and going through his own, you know, journey, right? Him, you mentioned community, and I'm just trying to tie this all back together. What is some advice going through your own experience that you would give, you know, players now, players who maybe, I don't want to say considering retirement, but might be going through, you know, what you went through and want to explore other things, whether they are injured right now, they're saying, you know, I didn't expect to go to back to AAA or... I'm not going where my career um, was supposed to go. What, what's some advice that you would give um, knowing that you just went through that and you're, you're a big community guy who was able to express and kind of identify what your own formula was? Yeah, I think the, the biggest thing you can do is just kind of change your perspective on things. Like if you're always viewing life through the, the personal perspective of, hey, man, like my career's not going the way I want it to. I'm injured. I can't get called up. You know, all of a sudden you have this really narrow focus and 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 things can seem pretty bleak and, and you get down and, you know, just shift your perspective. You know, that's that's what I like about, you know, going to museums, going in nature. It's just a different perspective than than the normal life loop that I'm on. And, you know, 
I think if you change your perspective and, and just follow your passions, you probably find yourself on a path towards something new and exciting that you may not have seen, you know, when you were just kind of zeroed in on, on, you know, what you had going on or what wasn't really going well for you at the time. And uh, yeah, that's, I mean, it's, it's tough to do, you know, I've been, I've been in that loop of being injured and trying to get healthy and trying to get healthy. And, you know, man, this career is not going the way I want it to right now, but at the same time, like, like the best thing you can do in that scenario, you know, you put in your, your hours of rehab and focus. And then at the end of the day, you got to find something else. You got to get outside. You got to change, change the scenery a little bit. And, you know, whether it's reading nature hikes, you know, going to museums, just exploring the city around you, like just change that perspective and, and know that, you know, there, there's a much bigger world at play than, than whatever struggles you're going through at the moment. And, you know, just get out there and be in the world and be present. And, and sometimes things seem to come to you just because you had your eyes open. That, that's awesome, Tyson. And we can't thank you enough for your time. Uh, your story is incredible that, that you've gone through, through getting through baseball, um, finding your identity outside of the game and some of the passions that you're doing now outside of the game. Uh, just before we sign off, uh, it, where can people find information on the Loyal to My Soil program? That way we just kind of make sure they know where to go. Uh, yeah, our website is uh, loyaltomysoil.org. Uh, if you go to my social media, my, my uh, Instagram's like uh, at Tyson Ross underscore 38. There's links to loyal to the loyal page and any upcoming events we may have. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me on guys. This has been fun. Great way to start the day and I hope you guys have a good one. Now through June 29th, you can earn up to four times rewards points on your favorite products throughout the store at Safeway. Shop for items like Coca-Cola products, Deer Park Natural Spring Water, Dannon Light and Fit Yogurt, Mott's Original Applesauce, Heinz Ketchup, and McCormick Spices. And earn up to four times bonus reward points to use for discounts on gas or groceries. Visit Safeway.com or download the Safeway For You app to earn your reward points today. Offer valid through June 29th. See store for more details leftovers or the dmv or house cleaning or chumba casino always brings the fun play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere you could redeem some serious prizes ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.